Hello, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. My name is Andrei Matyshak, and I work as the Deputy Head of Foreign Desk in Slovak Davy Pravda, which, by the way, means truth, and it's not Russian Pravda. Ben August is a Danish film and TV director and screenwriter. His movie, Pelle the Conqueror, won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Movie in 1988. He visited Bratislava for the Festival of Scandinavian Movies, Scandi, which introduced his movie The Kiss to the Slovak audience. And by chance, I've got an opportunity to interview him. So we talk about films, movie stars, actors, Indiana Jones, Richard Nixon and Revenge. Listen to our conversation. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on coffee. For the link, see also a description of this episode. And now, up to the new debate. Your latest film, The Kiss, is based on the novel by Stefan Zweig. Why did you decide to make this adaptation? A theme from the book that is set in the First World War period is still relevant today. When I came in touch with Stefan Zweig's novel, what really what I liked about it was so much this it's a very complex love story between a young man, his his young soldier in the army, and where honor is everything about honor. He meets this girl who is handicapped, and all of a sudden he's morally conflicted about feeling pity for her, or is it, or can pitiness lead to love, or can love lead to pitiness? And also because in the army, because it's about honor, he can cannot have a love relationship to a handicapped girl, an outcast. So he's totally conflicted and all that. And then he starts to lie and make promises that because he feels so much pitiness for her. So and I like that uh, moral conflict in the story. And I think that theme is relevant. It's universal. I mean, we all have big compassion for people who are maybe a little bit different. And can we fall in love with those people or, or can, can, can love in a normal relationship, not even a normal bit, or at least or only because of business. So these moral questions is interesting. What I also like about the story is that, this particular story is that normally in a film, an obstacle in the story is normally something evil. But here it's goodness, it's pitiness, it's compassion. That's a big obstacle. He's living in that conflict of what should he do. So that's why I fell in love with the story. When you are preparing a movie, how it works? Are you immediately thinking about actors or actresses you would like to have in your film? Or are you also doing some big castings? When it comes to The Kiss, I already knew the young actor who was playing the lead. I did another film with him before. So I knew when I was working on the screenplay that, that I wanted this actor to play the lead. But normally, you know, cast actors are so crucial to me because most of the film I'm doing or all of them I'm doing is about interaction, it's about relationship so it has to be true and believable so I spend so much time and really a lot of time with casting. The problem is when you are doing more commercial film or international film which I've done the producers always tell you to have big names, big movie stars and that sometimes can create a conflict and I've even done films where the cast is totally wrong because just because we needed names to do it so can you tell me which one unfortunately not no I can't it's it's a, it's a, no but um, it happens 
and it, I know it happened to other directors. They have to, in order to make their film made, they have to accept certain cast. But that it has always been like that. I mean, if you look at the history of filmmaking, it, the big problem is that if you always use the same actors again and again, it stops from developing new talent and stops giving other actors a chance. And that's actually something I like very much about all these streaming series that are being made. That you see these great American, not only American, but streaming TV series that, that they dare to, to use completely unknown actors. They don't care. They just, which is great. I think at the end, the chemistry is very important, or however we call it, because as you said, your movies are many times about emotions and about the interactions. And you have, a, for example, kind of a love story like The Kiss is. To make it believable, I think you need the character's chemistry. Am I right? If you make a love story, it's all about chemistry, because in a love story, it's almost all the time about two people who cannot be together. For a lot of reasons, it's not possible. But it's important that the audience is longing or what really wants this to happen. And therefore, there needs to be chemistry. If there's no chemistry, the audience don't care about it. So it, it's really crucial for a love story to that. And that's why I do a lot of tests when we do uh, love stories, to see if the actors work together and if the chemistry is there. So. Uh, quite a few of your movies are based on literary works. Why is that so? Some of my films are based on literary works, but it's more coincident. I mean, it can be somebody who recommends me to read a book, like in this case with a kiss, or it can be uh, something I discovered myself, or it can be a production company who, who often. But it's more coincident. The good thing about a novel, adapting a novel, is of course the story is there already. Somebody has thought about the old story, and what also is great is that if it's a good writer who wrote this novel, it's written vertical, not only horizontal. So. Which means that, that there's a depth. It's not only about the story, but it's also about something else, about the plot or, or a theme. And that's, at least for me, what I like about novels. But in order to make it work, when you start with, decide to take a novel and make it into a film, is that in, in order to honor the novel, you have to dare to be unfaithful to the novel. Because if you just take the novel and does not think about making it work for screen... It becomes illustrated literature, and it never works, and, and that would be a dishonor to the, the novel. Do you have any favorite adaptations of some book you like, and then you saw the movie based on it, and you said, yeah, this is something I... Maybe it is also in my head. Yes, uh, there are some great directors who have made adaptations of novels, I know. And I can only say, you know, some of the greatest films... I don't know about is like The Godfather or Once for The Cuckoo's Nest or Shawshank Redemption and, and also like old Stanley Kubrick's films are based on novels and, and uh, great adaptations and you know what in the end of the day the audience don't care Talking about maybe also other directors you have been approached at one moment by Ingmar Bergman to make the movie about basically about his parents the best uh, intentions, how it was, how that happened. And by the way, have you been pleasantly surprised or maybe there was also a little bit of burden? I got a call from Ingmar Bergman and he said I wrote this story about my parents and I would very much like you to do it if you like it. So I read the script and I mean, it was the best script I ever read, so it was no doubt in my mind. The only thing was at that time, I had done a couple of films and I thought I, I cannot be his assistant or I cannot 
I don't want him to, his shadow to hanging over me. So I went to Stockholm to meet him, and the first thing he said to me, he said, I've done more than 50 films myself. I know how important the integrity of the director is. I'm the screenwriter here, you're the director, and it's your movie. And he kept his worth. But after that, we had a lot of discussions, and I spent more than two months on the island where he lived. So we met every day, and we came very close, and he became a... I mean, for a director, directors never meet. Directors meet actors and actors meet actors, but directors never meet. So for me to meet another director and spend so much time, especially Ingmar Bergman, who was also a very clever person privately, it was just amazing. And, and I must say, I, st- I still miss him. We have been talking a bit about actors, and you work on both sides of the Atlantic, even in China. Do you have a different experience with European actors and with big Hollywood stars? You have filmed with Jeremy Irons, Mary Streep, I'm Nissan or Hilary Swan. I would say the biggest difference between actors in Europe or lower budget film and the big Hollywood film I made is the size of the, the trailer. But uh, except that actors are actors and good actors are very, very professional. And you know you have a story, and you have the camera, and you have you have the scene, and and it's the same, even in China where I worked. Yeah. And and you know what? Been working almost everywhere in the world. And then a beautiful thing is that when you work very close with people, even though there can be language barriers and, and cultural difference, but we are just human beings. And actors are actors. It's not mechanics, but do you know any Slovak or Czech filmmakers or actors or actresses? Not nowadays, but you know, the reason why I started to make movies long time ago and wanted to step into this was in the late 80s when Milos Forman was still in Czechoslovakia and all those uh, Jerry Mansell. And when I saw those films, because it was so poetic and so human and great films also, so I just thought if I could be a part of this somehow, this is what I should do. Mm. So they were really the reason why. I'm here today. That's very interesting. You are from a country with around 6 million people, Denmark, which you can compare to Slovakia. We've got 545. And as I said, you are working around the world. You probably don't know that, but at this moment, Slovakia has a minister of culture who openly says that uh, she tolerates other cultures, but the Slovak culture is not about mixing with the other culture. So... As somebody, as I said, somebody who is working around the world, can you imagine that cultures won't be mixed? I don't know what to say about that. Because if you talk about films, I'm from Denmark, I'm from Scandinavia, and when we in Denmark and Scandinavia make films that has a very strong Scandinavian national identity, then we are international. It doesn't mean that I, I, I don't agree with, uh, that I disagree with mix and not mix culture. But there's something about, if we trying to make Hollywood films, or that kind of film, it, it doesn't work because they could do it much better. And if I see a Polish film or a Slovakian film that has a strong identity which is connected to your culture, at least then it's, they are international. But at the same time, because of re- the whole immigration system, and, and especially also in Denmark, and I suppose everywhere, this new culture has also big influence on the daily life. 
And of course, that should also be reflected in our films. I think it has to be. How did the Oscar change your life? And by the way, where is the statue? When I received an Oscar many years ago, it changed in the sense that all of a sudden I got so many offers to come to film abroad outside Denmark. And at that time I was already working on House of Spirits, I think. So so I was or had already made that step. But uh, the important thing is that that you keep your integrity. I mean, because it, it's just, it's, you can get confused. And also, all of a sudden it becomes about something else. It becomes about money and, of course, about working with, with the right people and fame and all that. And I can't work in that environment. It, it doesn't, I, I wouldn't know how to do it. So I've tried, but it's, again, it's the story itself. It's about what, what the story is about. And in a way it takes place, it's not so important. Eat and where is the statue of the Oscar? Oh, it's uh, in my office. Yeah, because I moved so much. Uh, have you been following Oscars nominations for this year? I have been following the nominations and I also vote, and, but not this year, because I've just did the Count of Monte Cristo as a big TV series, which was, it took us half a year just to shooting and the prep. So for a whole year, I've been so busy. And when I'm working on films, I never see, I don't dare to see other films. So I haven't seen any of the, so I, I was not able to vote, but... Now, when I'm finished, I'm looking forward to see all the films. Hey, I think I can recommend Oppenheimer. I think this is a really great movie. And I also made the interview with the author of the book the movie is based on. So I think it's very fascinating. So if I can give you my little advice to somebody like you, I definitely would recommend Oppenheimer. But I'm sure that also other movies are really interesting. Some of your movies are set in various historical periods. But we are living in the quite uncertain world with a big war in Europe, for example, that Russia is waging against Ukraine. As an artist, do you want to reflect on this world we are living in? I very much would like to reflect on the world we are living in. But, you know, I don't think I could make political films, films that make political statement, because for me, and I respect those directors who does that, but for me, what, and you know, historians and politicians can talk about facts and statistics, but where a filmmaker can say something about give heart and soul to certain situations. And that's what I would approach to describe or tell something about what's going on. And that's to go back to when Milos Forman was still making films here, the, the Ball of the Firemen or whatever it's called. It is a political film kind of how dysfunctional a society is. And I think that's great about how an artist or a director can indirectly giving solar heart to certain society by telling the way it, I think it should be told, giving soul and heart to certain situation, in that way engaging the audience. I think also you can say that also about, for example, Dava the Conqueror, this is also about the society which is in a way dysfunctional. And I, I would probably say that maybe The House of Spirit is also quite a political movie, at least from the very important political period in Chile. So at the end, you are making some political movies maybe unintentionally. Yeah, it's not a letter thing. Now I had to make a, a film about the situation in Chile and the political situation. But indirectly, of course, it is. And also, Pelle the Conqueror is a film about a poor peasant who's been treated very, very bad, and he's trying to keep his dignity. But it's not a social comment. It's more, it's just taking a different angle into describing 
the environment and the social environment. I read that, uh, and it's very clear that you are not very much into, I don't know, to making an action movies or thrillers because they are not about interactions between people. But on the other hand, you directed the two episodes of the series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Are you a fan of Indiana Jones? I'm not a big fan of Indiana Jones. But you know, when I was approached by George Lucas and he asked me if I was interested in doing these two episodes, They were not really action films. It was more educational or whatever. But they were nice. And this was also before House of Spirits. This was before I did an international film in English. So I thought it was a short period. It was one hour drama or whatever. It would be a good education for me trying to do a film in English in a foreign language and on a smaller scale. And so it, it was a great experience. And by the way, probably the most famous or internationally recognized Danish actor, Mads Mikkelsen, was in the last Indiana Jones movie. But you never worked with, with him, right? I never worked with Mads Mikkelsen. I worked with his brother, but uh, they now love to work with Mads. But again, it, it's about finding the right project. And I'm sure one day we... I mean, I, I know him. I meet him from time to time. And he's a wonderful actor and a wonderful person. So if the right project comes... I will definitely ask him, and I'm sure he would like to do it. You are now working on the account of Monte Cristo, which is an art book adaptation, so very famous, and also setting in the historical period. So how did that happen? For me, Count of Monte Cristo is one of the great novels, and I was approached by a production company and asking if it was introduced, and I was no doubt in my mind this would be great for me because it was a full story. It's eight hours. And what I like about it is basically it's about a man who's falsely accused and ended up in a prison and for 15 years and when he comes out he's obsessed by revenge and he has this revenge project he also has a girlfriend but he's not he's fulfilling his revenge project but the thing is that the revenge project eats him up from the inside so he's not able to love anymore and I think that is a great comment to all to being so obsessed by revenge. I did another film some years ago about called Kurbafana, which was about the prison guard to Nelson Mandela. And I mean, Nelson Mandela could have all reason in the world to be obsessed by revenge, but he came out and said, "We have to forgive each other. We have to learn from whatever human beings." And Monte Cristo is the is a contradiction to that. And I think it's a, and also the, all these revenge films. It's all just a bank bank revenge, but doesn't care about uh, what revenge does to human beings. So uh, that's why I like about that story. If I am correct, Jeremy Irons will be in the series, and you have been working with him also in the past. So do you like to work with Jeremy Irons? I love Jeremy Irons as a person, as an actor. So when I called him and said, would you like to play in Conor Monte Cristo? He said, yes, he knew the story. He says, fine, let's prepare to do it. So it's the third time we work together. He's a great actor and a good friend. I'm very much looking forward to your series because it's really a complex story. It's a great novel. It's about revenge. It's about how he was in prison and how he's trying to get it back into the society, but he's unable to fall in love. Yeah, and, and you know, once I saw an interview with Richard Nixon and after Watergate, and he said that they can hate you, they can pull you down, they can humiliate you, they can do anything that doesn't matter. It's only the moment you start to hate back, and then they will eat you up from the inside, and that's true. I'm not sure if Richard was really following his own advice, but the fact is that it is a problem that somebody is just focusing on revenge. 
But maybe one last thing. And there is a project in Denmark, as I know, there will be a version of the quite famous series, The Crown, about the, the protagonist will be your queen, or not the queen anymore, Queen Margaret. What do you think about it? Would you like to be involved? You know, I worked with a queen for 10 years on a film. It's Erin Gardam's thing. She was, doing the, she was a costume designer and production designer. So I came very close to the queen. And uh, I have no clue how they would do that because I have no clue. And uh, I also think it's too soon. She's still alive and she's a wonderful lady. And I don't know what they are. But let's see. This was another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. Subscribe, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on the other platforms. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on Coffee. For the link, see also the description of this episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.